hello and welcome to Plot Trip. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Kiss of Steel by Beck McMaster. So this was published in 2012 and is number one in the London Steampunk series. So, so this book is was discovered by Meg. Yes, this book was and discovered was- by me. And was recommended for this October as part of our Halloween series because it has a very interesting take on vampirism. That's, that is correct. Uh, so one day I was reserving a book on my digital library as, a, as I do. And you know how when you reserve a book um, and it's not available yet or you recommend a book and it's not available, there'll be a, there'll be a little pop-up that says, Ew, have you considered this book? And I was like, hmm, I haven't considered it, but I will. And so I, I downloaded it and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I liked it so much that actually Beck McMaster is now one of my go-to uh, authors. So I actually really like the author as well. I had very mixed feelings about this book. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it came down to it was a friggin' riot. I had so much fun reading it that in spite of the fact that there are definitely criticisms that I want to make about the writing and the plot construction ultimately I don't care it was so much fun and I'm gonna read it again yeah this that's that's what I would say is these books are super fun they're really really fun so all right so this is deviating from our usual historical fiction a bit in that it is like steampunk sci-fi historical yeah it's a it's a steampunk fantasy historical with vampires and werewolves and stuff like that but you know what this is halloween this is october we're gonna do it guys perfect time of year okay so the jacket honoria todd has more secrets than most people and she's hiding them in Whitechapel. blade is the master of the rookeries and agrees to protect her but at what price most people avoid the dreaded Whitechapel district. For Honoria Todd, it's the last safe haven as she hides from the blue blood aristocracy that rules London through power and fear. Blade rules the rookeries. No one dares cross him. It's been said he faced down the Echelon's army single-handedly, that ever since being infected by the blood craving, he's been quicker, stronger, and almost immortal. When Honoria shows up at his door, his tenuous control comes close to snapping. She's so innocent. He doesn't see her backbone of steel or that she could be the very salvation he's been seeking. I mean, whatever. (laughs) I don't think this jacket does a good job of conveying the strengths of the book. No, I don't think so. That that said, it did 100% get me to read the book when I first read it. Right. I'm not saying it's a jacket that is unappealing. I'm saying it's a jacket that doesn't represent the book well. No, it's it's hard to... If you know what you're reading, you can read between the lines and figure out that it's about vampires. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you're reading between the lines. It doesn't say, there's a vampire, you know? Yeah, and this very much reads like a Sarah McLean 
good girl bored of the aristocracy who finds out her family has a secret takes refuge in the slums. Yeah. And that is not what this book is about. It is, it's not. No, it's not what this book is about. So what is this book about? As you know, we generate a random number every episode, and then we write our own uh, summaries based on that number. And for this episode, the number was 40, so nice and long. Uh, I, you know what? I will go ahead and start, because mine sets up lanes really well, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Honoria is doing her best to hold it together, providing for her orphan siblings on one woman's pay and trying to fly under the radar of her neighborhood's criminal organization. Oh, and her brother is a vampire. Can anyone help? Okay, so I, I see what you're saying. Very, I think that's a, 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 that gets at, one, the secret she's keeping. <laughs> Two, the fact that vampires exist in this book. And three, the fact that Honoria is on her own. Yeah. Which I think all of that isn't quite captured by the original jacket. Agreed. Okay, so my summary. When Daddy is a good mad scientist who turns against his patrons, his daughter must go into hiding and give herself to the baddie of the underworld, who turns out to have a heart of gold and mad sex skills. I mean, and yours really gets to the the romance part of the book. Yes. Um, which I I think that I think both of us really point out I think the big tropes as well. So we have the, the good girl in a bad neighborhood. Yes. Uh, who is living under an assumed identity. Yes. Uh, although it's, I mean, it, she is living under an assumed identity, but it doesn't play a huge role, I feel. I mean, it, 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 plot-wise it does, but I feel like trope-wise it doesn't. I would agree with that statement completely. Uh, and then, as Lane mentioned, there is a, a mafia-esque protector who has his own sense of honor. Yeah, so Blade is an interesting character. I don't really know that I could summarize the world building really well because I didn't completely understand it. Yeah. But for the most part, the virus that causes vampirism is largely seen as beneficial. Mm -hmm. and elite and it's only transmitted within the higher echelons of society intentionally right but occasionally individuals are infected who aren't supposed to be mm -hmm. and blade is one of those individuals now that said it seems like different things happen to those people like some of them get put into an elite guard some of them get sent to science experiments, and it's kind of unclear why, like, the different delineations and reasons that people get put where they get put. Yeah. I mean, At least I, in the first book. I'm sure the rest of the series goes on to build it up better, but in the first book, I was really confused about, like, I understood the echelon as, like, the creme de la creme, the people who were allowed to be vampires, use their power and strength, like, who were, that society keeps afloat, like, any general, like, parliament the, the then, like, the is, is basically like the ton right and then i got like the slums yeah but the people in the middle especially as the vampiric virus pertained to them mm -hmm. were very glossed over in this book in a way that did confuse me at times yeah 
and that's fair. That that's something that that it depends on how it's done can 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 really annoy me or not in a book. I don't want an author to spoon feed me their new world, right? So the fact that I was a little bit confused or that one class of society was a little glossed over didn't bother me. Bothers the wrong word. There were moments where it felt clunky to me. Sure. That actually it probably would have been natural to explain and she didn't. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, but bottom line is Blade is infected with the same virus as the aristocracy, but he himself is not of their world. And so he ends up ruling the roost in the underworld. Yes, he's the lord of the slums. And his secret through this whole book, but it's not a secret to the reader, is that he is role vampiric. So basically, because it's a virus, it's kind of described like AIDS. It is kind of described like AIDS, yeah. In that you're looking at your viral load. Yes. To And your goal is to prevent AIDS from developing when you have HIV. Basically, yeah, yeah, exactly. And here they, so the, the, the thing is, if you are infected with the craving virus, which is what it's called in this book, you become a blue blood. And so you're more like the vampires, the sexy vampires that you read about in paranormal novels, right? Where they're, their skin is cold and they have fast reflexes and they need to drink blood and, you know, they're super sexy, like very typical mm. romance vampire. But once you develop AIDS, right, if you're, if we're going to continue, once you, right, get beyond a certain level, you actually become a vampire, which is like the ultimate killing machine but that has no higher brain functions, basically. Just rampages around right. and, and eats people. Right, like the original vampires of horror yeah. novels. Yes, exactly. So I, I actually, I don't care that much about the, the whole viral load thing. Like, eh, I find it a little, eh. But I do like this idea that there's a progression of the, the I don't want to say disease, but the condition, I guess. Right. <laughs> And the point I'm making is, is Blade is very close to the tipping point. He's real close. Yeah. He's, what is it called? The fade. He's close to the fade. Right. It's been slower for him than for most. So you're sort of not, it's not clear how much time he has left, Mm -hmm. but he's on borrowed time for sure. Yeah. Which I think is its own, like man living on borrowed time is a trope in a romance novel, whether it's a disease or someone's got a bounty on his head or whatever blade is a hundred percent that guy and this is something that i know lane it's her pet peeve is that if this had been kept a secret even from him like when you're in his head and he's thinking oh i'm on borrowed time but you don't really know why i know that really would have pissed lane off uh it was there was a lot of them keeping secrets from each other but not from the reader so i'm fine with it exactly (laughs) like i do wish they would have communicated better but i think they both had reasons for playing their cards close to their chest so it didn't bug me as much if it had been like a secret from the reader why he was so cagey and why he kept saying really over dramatic things about how if only he'd met her sooner i would have lost it (laughs) um so we 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 do have a hint of the the whole your vampire urges can be controlled by love which I think goes hand in hand with the like sex magic trance. Yes. That we've seen previously. Totally. totally. 
Because when he gets real angry or real turned on, his eyes go totally black and he like isn't quite sure of his what he's doing. And he sees the world in black and white and all he feels is the craving. Uh-huh. Whether that craving is sex, blood, or fight is sort of ambiguous on purpose in a good way. Yes, I was going to say it is ambiguous, but it's also like, ooh, I like this ambiguity. <laughs> yeah, me too. Which, look, I think this is a place for us to point out. The parts of vampirism sexiness where, like, your partner is also your food, neither of us really get into. Yeah. But the parts of vampirism where, like, honestly, I feel awful saying this and admitting this about myself, but where, like, sort of that traditional machismo becomes justified by them not being themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, that just overpowering brute force where, where all he's got in his mind is sex and violence. In the right way, <laughs> I don't hate it. Well, and look, I just said that the trope is that vampire urges can be controlled by love. So that's the thing, too, is that there's this overpowering and there's a reason that you're, you know, sex, blood, and violence. But then the fact is that the right person controls that for you, too. Like, you're going to control your urges for that person. Right. Like, you it have permission when you go into your sex, blood, and violence trance. Yes. And that's the difference. It's like consensual. Yes, it is. Ripper urges? I don't know. Look, apparently Lane and I share this. We cannot be the only people in the world. This must, like, I think a lot of people like this. So, whatever. I know. But, like, I think if he didn't have the excuse of vampirism, you and I would be like, fuck the jealousy. Like, his weird tendency toward violence. And the fact that we can chalk it up to, well, the monster took over. We're both like, okay, that's fine. He has a craving virus. He can't help it. He can't help it. Um, so one of the things that happens so often in this book for both of them is siblings are the most important people in my life. The complications I have with them will supersede everything. I love them no matter what, and I will take care of them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it comes into play three distinct times that I can think of. Yeah, well, and then also it happens with Blade because he has a found family as well. Mm-hmm. So he's the, not only is he the lord of the rookeries, it's, I mean, it's very mafia-esque in that it's it's a family. They're all a family now, and he's going to protect yeah. them. He's like the dad. Anyway, I, I, I did not, I don't hate it. What can I say? Um, there was a tropey line, too, at one point. Mm-hmm. So many romance novels, somebody asks, like, was that you losing control? Or was that the best you've got? Blah, blah, blah. And the person responds, if it were, you wouldn't have had to ask. You'd know. You're right. And literally that happens, like, as an exchange word for word in this text, which cracked me up. Um, Oh, there, there is the leave. You have to leave now if you don't want to take it to the next level. Right? This is your last chance to say no. Like, I'm not in control of myself, so no, if you consent, you're consenting to the worst version of me. And of course, she says. Woo! <laughs> um, and uh, their relationship starts out of desperation. So He's yes. the last person she'd ever want to ask for help. She's been trying to avoid going to him, but finally she's hit rock bottom. Yeah. And at, we'll get into this, but at first, we, okay, we'll talk about it later. We have to talk about it later. It's not a trope. 
Um, she's got she's got a secret past. He's also got a secret past. They both have secret pasts. And her secret past requires that she carry on her daddy's work. But don't worry, she's hashtag not a botanist. No, she's a virologist. We have no idea what she is. She was a lab worker in some capacity. <laughs> Research in um, prionism. Yeah. Perfect. So basically, the series is super fun. It's it's super fun. I I feel like it's such a fun take on the vampire romance. Is it like 100% original? No, but that is what's so fun about it, in my opinion. There's nothing original under the sun. No. Um, so this is this is an alternate universe where it's it is Victorian London, except the queen is not named Victoria. The queen is Queen Alexandra, which I thought was such a cute throwback because, yeah, I mean, Queen Victoria's birth name was Alexandrina. And so I was like, oh, this is so great. I thought it was so much fun. Uh, well, not only that, the fact that her spouse was the prince consort and not the king. Yes. I know it's justified within its own world here, but that parallel with real life. Exactly. I there are things, there are some things that Beckman Messer does really well. And I, this was one of them for me. I was just like, oh, this is so great. It's just close enough to like real life that, that you, that I personally really enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that the, okay. I love that they're blue bloods, but that their blood is actually like kind of purplish blue. And that's why they call them blue bloods. I don't know. I just loved it. It was great because it also, if you want to read into it symbolically, right, the fact that they can't even restrict the qualities of their class to their own class is, like, metaphorically resonant. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, is is this, like, subtle symbolism? No. Do I give a shit? No. Not a single shit. Nothing in this book is subtle, and my life was better for it. Exactly. And... Personally, I just love how over the top steampunky it is. Like there are blood factories. Okay. I liked that most of the time. Yeah. There were some passing references to types of mechanical or hybrid man machine or hybrid animal machine entities Mm -hmm. that were thrown in such rapid succession. There were some passages I like literally had to reread to make sure I hadn't missed something. And I wasn't like supposed to have a better sense of what's going on. I kind of liked it because as a first book, I think establishing the world with a lighter touch and leaving you wanting more explanation is better than over explaining. But there were some moments, especially later when they're going after the big bad vampire in the book. Yeah. 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 That I was like, wait, there are two different military branches plus a third set of mechs, and I'm not really sure. Like, none of these characters, two of them have names, mm-hmm. but they're only mentioned in passing. Like, it did get a little bit confusing. Yeah. it's. I mean, yeah, it did. But uh, the overall idea of it, I really liked. Yes. I just, th- that was one of the moments where I really wish she'd given me a little more exposition. Uh, and then I already mentioned this, but I like I like that the condition of vampirism sort of progresses. It's not just the sexy vampire. It's also disgusting vampire. Like, I like that they're both in existence. Well, and it's also interesting, and the book doesn't really get into this, but people 
who are infected, especially of the upper classes, are only interested in a cure once they get too close to becoming the monster. Yeah. So people aren't interested. I shouldn't say that. The blue bloods themselves aren't inter- interested in eradicating the virus. They're interested in controlling it. Correct. Whereas other elements in society are interested in eradicating it. Yeah, eradicating it or an actual vaccine for it. But a vaccine, to a degree, could help the blue blood's purpose because it could help them control who gets it. Like, there are people interested in a cure, not just to regress people to a lower threshold so they can stay whatever blue blood's life is for longer. It's sort of unclear to me how they age to know, like, what exactly that means. But anyway, like, there's some... Basically, every element of society and every strata of society has a different interest in specifically how they want to control the disease. Yeah. Um, but that's, and I, I think it's, again, that's something that I think is well done because. Yeah, no, I thought that was great. Yeah, it gives some more layers to it. That actually might have been one of the only things in this book that was subtle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> basically, I think we both liked the setup. I think we both, I think both of us wouldn't have minded a little more. Yes. Right? So so they there's this whole talk about so they call it the craving virus. They call it C V levels and then they basically have like home blood tests, like a diabetes test. There you can just test their C V level uh their percentage, their C V level percentage. And like literally you're you're supposed to think that okay, once your C V level gets to eighty percent, then you you're about to be a vampire. So they gotta put the thing you down. is it seems like they don't even really know that. They yeah. just know that eighty percent is like the beginning of the danger zone. Yeah. It's not like some people turn at eighty, some people don't. But it's the point at which at any minute you could snap. They need to they need to start really keeping an eye on you. Right. Um and so look, I just raved about how I really liked Queen Alexandra and how I really liked the whole blue blood thing. I really liked it. For me personally, look, viruses were not discovered until 1892. So the whole fact that they call it a virus, that mm-hmm. they can do the testing and all that stuff, that's something that I just sort of roll my eyes at. I do kind of wish it were slightly more integrated into the lore. Right. On the other hand, I don't care that much. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So. I I think that's one of those things that, you know, machines weren't able to fly then either. Look, But there are drones hovering. So, like, that to me is something I just chalk up to, like, the nature of the type of book this is. The second you get into steampunk, I'm sure some integrate historical facts with the world they're building better than others. But, like, ultimately, I'm letting go of so much about historical reality that, woo, they know vaccines exist. Cool. Well, vaccines have existed since 1798. I actually looked this up. But they know viruses exist. Yeah. So anyway, like, I thought it was, I actually thought that was very interesting. I did a lot of research on the history of viruses for this podcast. So I was okay. very interested in it. I appreciate it. Um, okay. So, so basically 
the story itself, so it's set in this world that I think Lane and I both really liked. Mm-hmm. The story itself is pretty run-of-the-mill, where there's a family that has, ha- has had a loss in fortune, so now mm-hmm. they're hiding out. As a last, you know, as a last act of desperation, she goes to the mafia to be like, I need help. I'll sell you my body, basically, to do this. Uh, And then the mafioso instantly falls in love with her because she's so innocent and sweet. But twist, except not a twist because you know it before he meets her. The mafioso has known who she is all along and is interested in her before she even comes to him for the reason she is on the run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of that, honestly, I feel like we've have seen before. Oh yeah. And then what makes it fun is all the extra stuff. The, the vamp, that her brother's a vampire, that her father, you find this out, that her father was doing vaccine research to find a vaccine for the craving virus. Um, all that stuff is what makes it fun. I would also say, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. I really bought that they found one another to be exceptional. Mm-hmm. Like the buildup and the longing, but also the confusion about what they felt for one another was actually really well done. Yeah, well, because he he knows... Before he ever meets her, he knows that he's interested in her be- for ulterior reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And it's when he meets her that he's like, oh, we actually have a lot in common. And she's like, really, really, she's really smart and pretty. And gosh, I really like her, you know? <laughs> I mean, to a degree, all romance novels are trying to sell you on, like, the perfect suitability of the two main characters and the unique suitability of the two main characters and this idea of, like, finding your perfect match. And yeah. I really bought it here. Well, yeah. But I I don't know. And again, you know, if you have heard this podcast, that Lane and I are normally like, okay, 70-year-old dude and 25-year-old girl, not super into it. But if you do it the right way, we're into it. Like with um, I mean, step one, thank God she wasn't 17. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> but she totally. was definitely more knowledgeable than the average 25-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. Specifically about things concerning him. Mm-hmm. And he was definitely more in need of her specific abilities that were very, very rare in a person. Yeah. So you understand, in spite of the difference in life experience, to a degree, why they were such a perfect match. Yeah. Look, and I mean, look, we again, we liked Soulless, and the guy was like three hundred, and she was twenty five. So you know, I really like Soulless. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you do it the right way, we will be there with you all the way. This was sexier than Soulless. Yes, it. Yes, it was. With similar, two like similar bones. Yeah. I'd say. So there, there are some other things I actually really like. So this is uh, obviously we say this is number one in a series. I think it sets up the series pretty well. Like I think it works well as a standalone. But I also think you already are like, oh, I want to find out what happens with Lena. Oh, I want to find out what happens with her brother, with both of her brothers. 
you know? It's also a good entry point into the world. And I think it's unique. You can tell that future books are going to be more concerned with the echelon and with high society. But choosing to for the first book to be this effectively middle class woman with extraordinary circumstances and the king of the underworld to like show the effects of the downtrodden before you go into the effects of society or the effects on high society was a really smart choice. Yeah. I don't think I would have liked this book as much if they'd started with a love story where one of the characters was in the echelon. Yeah. Um, And yeah. Uh, Yeah. Thinking about it. So of the five, only one is really echelon centric. Right. Um, But there's no, but I, I think it's good. Right. But there's, I know it's not just rookeries either. Like you're hitting different parts of society. Yeah. And I think starting in the rookeries was a really with, a female protagonist who was aware of the science behind what was going on mm-hmm. was a really smart choice in terms of world building. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think, I also think it works really well as a standalone. Yes. You're left knowing there's going to be more, but there's nothing about this book that's not wrapped up. Yeah, exactly. So was there anything uh, offensive or that required a trigger warning? Um, so Blades number two is a werewolf. Yes. And it's described in the book that he just baselessly hates all women because of his upbringing. Yeah. And look, I get he was abandoned by his mom. I get that he's been mistreated. I'm not saying that's not founded. I'm not saying that I haven't been okay with female protagonists who were afraid of all men because of their particular past. I don't really know that we're in a place in time in society right now where I'm interested in the story of a man who hates all women on sight. Yeah. Will is a, an interesting character. Yeah. I'm not saying I couldn't come around to be more sympathetic toward him. I'm just saying that, Right now, in 2020, in this day and age, reading the sentence about a male character after he's kind of barked at our heroine and and having it dismissed with, oh, he just hates all women. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it's justified in this case. Didn't love that. Guys, um, Will's a werewolf, so that's why he barked at her. (laughs) Thank you for explaining my pun. (laughs) Look, they didn't know. (laughs) I squeeze it in. I squeeze it in. It's good. All right, what um, am I to do? So Blade has a, he has tattoos, and then when they have sex, he undresses, and she sees it, and she describes his tattoo as being a tribal tattoo. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is really offensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a throwaway line, but it made me, uh, I had 100% forgotten that he had a tribal tattoo, and I will now do my best to forget that he had a tribal tattoo. Yeah, I think that's really for the best. Mm-hmm. Because, one, it leads to several questions. How was he aware of tribal tattoos? What tribe? Yeah, is- or did, did he just go and was like, I want that one. It means health and prosperity, right? But how would a tattoo parlor in olden times have that? Like, That's what I'm, is, yeah. This is where 
like I just said, okay, whatever, fine. They discovered viruses sooner because they had more technology become because steampunk. Yes. The whole point is this is still England. The French Revolution still happened. They're trying to rewrite European history with this idea that the vampiric virus is at the center of a lot of that history. Yeah. You can't just suddenly say tribal tattoo and not expect me to have questions about, you know, what tribe. It doesn't make any sense. And it it just makes, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Okay. Um, Just to round out my typical, uh, Honoria is the victim of unwanted sexual pursuit from her father's employer. And that individual is the person who is now trying to hunt her down for what she knows in the present. And the quickest way that he knows to scare her and bite at her is with threats of sexual violence. Mm-hmm. So there's a and, lot of like, and, her consent and, and then a lot of threatening her with rape. And I didn't like that. And I wish that any, it hadn't happened. Yeah. Well, and, and actual violence too, you know, not yeah, just well, sexual violence. Not, not actual, not the sexual violence is not sexual, is not violence, but, mm-hmm. but in addition to sexual violence, like actual beating her. Yeah, I'm just saying he was scary enough. Right. Without needing to bring up the fact that he'd like touched her inappropriately when she was a child. Yeah. No, we didn't need extra. Um, so, yeah. Sexiness. So, he, this book is pretty long and they don't have sex for a while, like not until like 70%. And uh, they don't have penetrative sex until about 70%. They have like blood sucking sex. Yeah. Before that. <sighs> yeah. So and okay, look. I understand that when you read a vampire book, you have to just accept some level of <laughs> blood sucking being really sexy. It's just not to me. So maybe that's why I was like, yeah, it wasn't really sexy. <laughs> I think I'm more capable of looking past that than you are. I think Possibly. in my head, I just sort of ignore the part where blood is flowing. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's biting her shoulder. That's way more appealing. Her shoulder. <laughs> like not actually puncturing it and sucking blood. And there was a level of realism with this. That the vampires don't just like cut human skin with teeth. They have to use razors. That right. actually upset me more than the blood. Like the razor play actually was more upsetting to me than typical vampirism yeah yeah because i don't don't love cutting and sex being tied together at all well that's i think that's i think that is my problem with it because i'm just like ooh, like this just not look look the here's the deal with vampires and especially as sexy vampires this isn't the first book that does it it won't be the last book that does it but Apparently, vampire saliva is super, super, is like an aphrodisiac, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So getting your blood sucked is, like, awesome. It just makes you really horny. Which, on the one hand, I'm, I understand because I'm like, okay, now I maybe get it why someone would want to have their blood sucked. Mm-hmm. Because I do not want my blood sucked. But I guess if it was really hot and I forgot that my blood was being sucked, I would be into it. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I think in my head, I just ignore the blood as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And just think of it more as like 
things have gotten a little rough. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I thought it was pretty sexy thought it was more sexy than explicit for sure yeah because a yeah. lot of the explicitness got into blood and that's when I kind of mentally checked out but I, mean, I just the sexual tension is there for that's, sure that's where I kind of want to I think I gave some of the blood stuff a pass because honestly it was so satisfying to see them get to get together yeah after yeah. like all of the like almost moments it was like finally fuck yeah 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 well and maybe that's why I felt like because the, there's a lot of sexual tension, but they don't, they don't, there's not a ton of sex in the book. No, there's a lot of sexiness, but there's not a lot of sex. Yeah. But that said, I, I, re, I liked this book a lot. I like this book so much that I overlook the fact that I'm not, I don't love the blood stuff, that there's not a ton of sex. Like, I just really enjoyed this book a lot. It was unlike anything I've read in a while I think that's it you know I, I mean yes we started out by saying look this isn't super original but at the same time there's enough originality about it that you're like this is so much you really want to find out what's going to happen and how she's going to how she's going to bring this stuff in and like I could there's a couple different ways to frame things right a lot of the secondary characters were relatively underdeveloped but some of them were interesting enough that I want to know more about them. Like I, I want to read subsequent books so I can actually get to know those characters better because they're the little bit of their backstory I got in this one was interesting. Like Barons. Yeah. Uh huh. God, I love him. <laughs> but even Tin Man, like even. Yeah. Yeah. The lone female counselor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, like. Yeah. I know. I read the summaries. But, but they, there was, oh yeah, I, I love her. More of them in this book, and I think this book would have been served by having more of their development. Yeah, but there was clearly enough to intrigue me. I mean, that said, this book is also almost 500 pages long. Yeah, I did not realize what a commitment it was when I started it. I was 40% of the way through last night, and then I finished it. (laughs) (laughs) I, guys, (laughs) I woke up this morning, and I looked at Goodreads, and Lane, at 2 in the morning, had rated the book. And I was like, oh, I was like, she went for it. (laughs) I was just like, well, I'm going to finish it now. Well, the thing was, I wanted, I started, I probably picked it up around, like, 1030. Yeah. Like I said, it was, like, 40% of the way through. So right around the time it started getting real sexy and the plot started coming to a head, it was like midnight. And at that point, it's like, well, I'm just going to fucking finish. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to stop here. You know, I've, I've, I've done that before. I've gotten somewhere and I'm like, well, I'm not stopping now. (laughs) And I try to be reasonable. If like, I know I'm about to read till 5am. If I don't stop, I'll try to find a stopping place. But, like, I think I finished it around 1.45. Like, whatever. It's it's a holiday weekend. It's true. That's true. That wasn't the worst thing I've done to my body in the last week. <laughs> well, anyway, I hope you realize that what we're saying is we, we recommend this book. Yeah, I think the only caveat is it might be a little hard to find. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's a, it's from a very small publisher. 
And I think there there are Kindle copies, but like it's not something typically carried in libraries. Meg and I have been trying to track down subsequent books in the series and the waitlist is long. So highly recommended, but this book might be a little more niche than our typical fair. Yeah. But if you're looking for some fun holiday, like ho- Halloween holiday reads, uh, definitely check out Big Room Master. Definitely. I, I, I will be reading more of her. Thank you so much for listening. 